Hey Eagle Mod Church, my name is Jeff Kears and I am really excited to be here and be able to share with you this week. I'm your guest speaker, but it's a little bit different than being a guest speaker at other places because Eagle Mod Church played a significant role in my life and in uh, my development, not just as a professional or a pastor, but just as a person. Um, I pastored here for five years or right around that five-ish year mark. Uh, from 2014 till like mid to late 2019. Um, actually, my last time speaking here was June 30th, um, 2019, and it was my last day at work, and that was concluding my five years as the youth pastor, next gen pastor, um, and you know some different roles within the church, whether it's relating to Sunday morning or young adults and things like that. But the key thing was that I spent a lot of time here, and. I've gone on to do a bunch of different things since then. Um, I'm, I was the next-gen coach for the uh, PAOC, uh, which is the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which is the denomination that Eaglemont Church is a part of. I was the next-gen coach, so uh, leadership development coach for pastors under the age of 35 for the last year and a half, ever since I left um, Eaglemont to go do that. And that's been a good time, and I've really enjoyed it and learned a lot there. But I actually, starting at the end of this month, I'll be starting a new job as the uh, pastor of the Project Young Adults Church uh, at Hope City in Edmonton. So back to pastoring, and that's kind of where my heart really is, is to be a pastor. And that, a lot of that was developed during my time working with some of your your kids and some of your, your teenagers and working just with people in this church. It was such a great experience. And for me to be able to come back now is is awesome. Like I'm pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to be here. Um, obviously it's not in the way that maybe we all would have hoped or for sure I would have hoped. Um, if you would have told me the last time I spoke here in June, 2019, that I would be speaking the next time in a global pandemic, let alone that I would be completely online or in some case, and I believe like 40 feet tall and wide on the side of the church building here. Um, for those who are watching in the drive-in model, um, I would have been mind blown. And you know, when Pastor Marlow asked me if I'd speak, I was really excited a couple months ago. And I started to see the numbers starting to rise with COVID. I started to wonder, man, you know, I wonder if I'm going to be in person, I'm going to be online. And obviously here we are, we're online, we're in video. And that's not the ideal, but I'm still so excited that I get to connect in this way with you, that I get to be a part of this series. Um, such an interesting idea of putting the video on the, on the wall, uh, on the side of the church which is great connecting with the community. I'm so proud of this church and, and all the entrepreneurial ideas and, and ways to connect with their community that I see. And, and the way that the community clearly has responded and just feels that, especially in such a crazy time that we live in now, that your church is reaching out and doing something that no one else is doing and giving the opportunities to get out of the house in a safe way. And then linking that into your Sunday morning and your, your experience with a Jesus-based life Fantastic. So I'm proud of this church. I keep tabs. I pray for you regularly. And I, I'm so excited for the future of your church, uh, for the staff you have, and um, I'm cheering you on. So to be here today is fantastic. I'm so excited. So thank you for having me. Here's the thing, though. When I was asked by Pastor Joel to do a specific movie, he, I was thinking, like, it's Christmas, right? Like, this is going to be pretty simple. I know a lot of Christmas movies. I'm a fan of Christmas movies. I was thinking I'd get a really sweet Christmas movie like Shrek the Halls or maybe Jingle All the Way, the two greatest Christmas movies that have ever existed. If you haven't seen Jingle All the Way, you're missing out. Shrek the Halls, it's a little less quality, but it's worth checking out. He didn't give me those ones. He gave me a different one. 
And when the email came through and I read my phone and saw the title, A Muppet's Christmas Carol, I could just sense Pastor Joel laughing on the other side of that email, chuckling to himself that I was going to have to do the puppet movie. And what Pastor Joel may not know is that I'm terrified of puppets. Like, really scared of puppets. They just freak me out. Not a fan. They're uh, something inherently strange about them when you really break it down. And uh, I was a little worried that I was going to have to watch this movie. Because puppets are scary. But at some point, I had to face my fears and watch the movie. Honestly, in some ways, you might as well have just made me watch a scary movie because, like I said, puppets freak me out. But the other problem with this movie is that it's made in 1992. So, like, this mix of early 90s CGI mixed with puppets and not just puppets, not just, like, you know, like, ones that you have sticks and strings, not just ones that, like, go on your hand, but, like, some of these puppets, I don't know what, what they actually categorize as a puppet and what they categorize as a costume, but, like, some of these puppets were, like, ginormous. Like, these were huge. They, they, the, maybe that's why it's called a Muppet. Because it wasn't just puppet size. Like, one of the characters was, like, bigger than, like, ten men. And that didn't help with my being a little bit nervous of the puppet movie. But, let's be honest, we've all probably heard of the story that Christmas Carol before. And we've all seen different iterations of this. I remember when I was a kid watching the Flintstones version. Or uh, seeing Scrooge McDuck in, uh, in the Disney version with... Uh, Donald Duck's nephews and Uncle Scrooge and like there's been so many different versions of it we've probably heard the story in some way so I thought maybe I can get through this and but I'll be honest with you I was pretty just hesitant of seeing another movie of, of what I deem to be kind of more aimed at children um, puppets you know not it just didn't seem like something that a six foot five man who hunts and fishes and like that type of stuff. Like, I didn't think it was going to be what I was going to enjoy. But the fact is, I really actually enjoyed this movie. Like, there was a little bit of, like, humor in the sense of what we found um, in, in how old it was and how old the technology and the CGI was. But it was actually kind of funny and, and good. And, and if you haven't seen it yet, I actually encourage you to, to watch it. And if you maybe you saw it this last week on the big screen on the side of the church, and that's great if you have, but... It is a little scary, I'll give you that. Like, it, it's a little freaky just because there's some giant puppets and uh, you'll see that pretty quickly, but, but I did enjoy it. In this movie, The Christmas Carol, the Muppet version, they go through basically the same story that you would have seen any other time. Maybe it's through uh, your favorite cartoon as a kid or just every, seems like every sitcom has done this different version of this same story, this Charles Dickens movie, A Christmas Carol, or, or what was actually a book at the beginning. And so we've all seen it, but maybe we haven't seen this version. I really enjoyed um, just that they took a couple of different funny approaches with it, and, and but it's the same story. It's the same story that you would have seen before. And what happens is in the beginning, we start off with Scrooge, obviously, the main character. And his employee, Bob Cratchit, is with him. 
and he's a money sh lender, so he's basically like a loan shark or like a, what, what a money mart is today, but maybe even with less regulations, like really taking advantage of the poor, um, loaning them money at significant rates, and then hopefully they can't pay it and he takes everything from them. And he alludes to that several times. Talks about how everything is about making money. That's the primary goal. And anybody else is kind of just an obstacle in the way. He has a team of financial workers, accountants with them who are a group of puppet mice in this movie. And they're Bob Cratchit, they're like boss, you know, kind of like the head financial guy. That's Kermit the Frog. So it's Christmas Eve and Kermit the Frog goes up to Scrooge and is asking for time off, but he's nervous because this guy is a real abusive dude. He's an abusive employer to say the least. And he goes up and asks like, can we have a little bit of time off? And and Scrooge like freaks out at him and says no. And, and Kermit's like, no, like listen, like just we're gonna cost you more money being here than not. And after a couple like begrudging back and forth, Scrooge's like, fine, take Christmas off, but you better be here early the next day. And in this example, the first time we meet Scrooge, we also see Scrooge's really friendly nephew come in, his only living relative, and he comes in and wants to wish him a Merry Christmas, and that's where you get the classic, bah humbug, like, like get out of here, Christmas, joy, anything that's about happiness and, and, and peace and the Christmas spirit, he just literally puts a stamp on it, and he, he puts out the embers with his foot, like he just doesn't care, and he's a miserable old fool. And they really get over this character that just is so miserable, so cynical, sees the worst in everything, and is deeply, deeply, deeply cynical and broken. In fact, he's so cynical and broken that when told that if they don't find ways to raise money for some of the poor people in the community, he actually says that that will be a benefit because it will lower the surplus population. The idea of, of casualties of poverty and starvation were a positive statistical move for him in his mind. He's a very brilliant businessman. They go through the, his history in the movie of, of who he is and, and how he became who he was and just very logical but to a point where he removed his empathy for human beings. He only cares about profit. He only cares about numbers, money, success and he just gives up on humanity itself. That is who Scrooge is. And then you have Bob Cratchit or you have Kermit who's like just the nicest guy in the world, very patient even with him. And there's these polarizing characters, but it's Christmas Eve and they go their opposite ways, right? And Kermit goes home to his family with Tiny Tim, the sickly kid that is part of his family and is a major player in this movie. And then we have Scrooge who goes home to his empty house where he used to be with his two business associates, the Marleys, and goes there by himself. And that's where he's first visited by these ghosts, right? <laughs> And this ghost of, of his two Marley brothers, like these miserable people who were like these, same as Scrooge, he learned under them. They were rude and they were mean and they were cynical and only cared about themselves. And they warn him that he's going to be visited by these ghosts, right? These different three ghosts throughout the night. And he is shortly after that. He's kind of freaking out, doesn't know what's going on. And that's where he's visited by the first ghost. And it's like this ghost of Christmas past. And it's supposed to not be scary. It's supposed to be pretty like lighthearted, I think. But it's like a girl, but it's a girl puppet who's supposed to be a ghost. And just kind of, it's a little extra scary. Like this. I can remember nearly 1900 years. Scary, right? 
Totally. But she comes and she takes him to his Christmases of the past and shows all the different things that started to build him up to be cynical. Shows that he wasn't always that horrible person. And he comes back and he's starting to see a little bit of change in himself. And uh, that's when the first ghost kind of goes away. And then the second ghost comes. And this is one of the scarier ones as well for different reasons. This thing's like 55 feet tall at the beginning. This is the ghost of Christmas present. This guy here. Come in and know me better, man. Uh, did I already say that? You did. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Huge. Wake up to that guy hanging out in your kitchen. Terrifying. But he comes up and he's super friendly actually and kind of funny. And he starts taking him on a tour of what's happening in the world around him. And he sees uh, Kermit the Frog's family. And he sees how, how they're poor and how they don't have a lot on their table. But they're all super happy and, and they all have a great attitude. And then he sees their youngest son, Tiny Tim, who's like very ill and needs some sort of medical help. But they can't afford it. And that they have just still this amazing attitude and very positive even despite their their humble lifestyle and the sickness that exists in their family and he starts to you see the character of Scrooge start to move a little bit in who he is and then he's visited by the ghost of Christmas future and that may be the scariest character that has ever existed in all of film Darth Vader not a chance any scary movie character not a chance the ghost of Christmas future from this movie is the scariest character I've ever seen in my entire life. This dude. Will you not speak to me? Oh, yes, yes. It's a children's movie, remember that. But to give you a summary of this whole thing, he goes and experiences all these different things. He sees that he is dead in the future. He sees that he is no longer cared about, that people are laughing about him dying, that it was great that they could take his curtains and that he, they don't miss him at all. They're celebrating his death. He sees that Tiny Tim has passed away as well. He sees that the, like life is miserable and they're not. it's not miserable be because he's not there. It's miserable because he had made it miserable. And he hadn't done anything to make the world better around him. And he, he swears, I will change my life around. And he comes back to, to reality. He wakes up and he goes out and he becomes the most like joyous person. And he spreads Christmas cheer and helps out his, his employee's family. And Tiny Tim gets whatever the medical procedure he needs is and doesn't die. And his life is completely different. He does a complete about face in who he is as a character. So, obviously... If we're looking at this through the perspective of a Jesus-based life, if we're trying to see what we can learn through this message and how we can, it can reflect on something that's biblical and true, it doesn't take very long looking at the Bible or looking at the example of Jesus and then putting this movie through the lens of that to say, man, no human, let alone no Christian or people who subscribe to what Jesus taught or follow his example, no one who is like that should look anything like what Scrooge looked like. Scrooge is, is just not a good example on any level of what we should look like. Isn't a reflection of the heart of Christ and isn't a reflection of what, what any Christian should behave or be appear to in their community. We should be an example of, of generosity and hope and, and be people that are generous and loving. And it doesn't take very long to read through scripture to figure out that, that generosity is a huge part of what we need to be as followers of Jesus. A couple examples are this. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 
Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 10:24 says no one should seek their own good but the good of others. James 3:16 says for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you will find disorder and every evil practice. And in Proverbs 11:25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever f- refreshes others will be refreshed. These are all coming from different points in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, different different authors, different points. We can find that throughout the entire Bible, there's actually no topic that is that is touched on more often or more times numerically, Old Testament or New Testament, than the idea of helping the poor. Nor in the Bible will you see it say, just be a jerk and hold all your money because when you die, you'll take it with you or get a bigger house or save for retirement because that's all that matters. I'm not saying don't save for retirement, but I'm saying don't get caught up in the idea that money and what you have in your possession is all that matters to you. Also, don't get caught up in debt and getting caught up in your credit card and realizing that your your money habits are not allowing you to be generous in the areas that you need to be as well. But that's a topic for later on or a different time. The Bible tells us to be generous. And that becomes a little bit of an awkward conversation because we start to think about money. But the fact is that money is just one way we can be generous. And absolutely, we should be generous with our finances. We should definitely find ways to do that. But generosity extends beyond that. Generosity extends into a situation where we see every opportunity we can to exert ourselves beyond what we think makes us comfortable for the betterment of the world around us. So what does that look like? In the book of Luke, in chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus tells us a story. Actually, he's telling his disciples a story in this chapter. And giving an example of how not to be selfish. um, Or what a good example of what not to do, rather, when we have resources and possessions. And it's it's in this story, and it's in this parable, and he says this. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and the other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus is talking about this guy who has so much stuff that he realizes, like, I don't, I have too much. I don't even have a place to put all of it. So what should I do with this? What should I do with all this, this grain, these goods, these resources I have? Well, I guess I'll tear down the storage place I have. That's just a logical idea, right? Like, I don't have enough room. Oh, I'm just going to tear it down and build another one. The construction costs alone make this a irrational decision. Like, to tear down your barn, your storage. I've never built or purchased a barn, but I understand basic construction costs. The cost of this is insane. You'd be better off just to share or to sell at a reasonable price. Like, that would be the logical thing here. This person seems so crazy. This person seems like they have just, like, such a lack of rationality and no no realization of the good they could do in the world. This person seems like a complete fool, rich and foolish. 
Kind of reminds me of Scrooge, right? Like Scrooge has all this money and yeah, he has some cynical attitude problems and he's kind of choosing these things time and time again. But I look at him in the same light and I think what a moron, what a jerk, what a, what a sorry excuse for a human being to have that much. If you had that much money, if you were the, the richest man in town, if you had so much resources that you would have to tear down your house or your storage facilities and build new ones to fit what you have inside. Like, why would you not do something different? And just like in that parable, the Bible says that you could die tonight and you won't have it anymore. How is that the way to live your life? And it's easy for me to judge. It really is. It's easy for me to look at Scrooge, to look at this foolish rich man who is tearing down his barns and building new ones and think, man, what a, what, a, what a clown, what a selfish person. But the fact is this, and this is the hardest thing to wrap our heads around, is that we can all think of somebody in our life that we know or that we actually know personally who we would say would fit under that Scrooge selfishness, rich, foolish person building their barns, tearing them down, building new ones. Like we can think of that selfish rich person that we would say that person should do more. For me, sometimes I think about a guy like Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, the guy who's like on path to be a trillionaire. And I think, man, like that guy could probably give everybody a million dollars and still be rich, right? Like he has so much money. And we look at different people like that and we think, man, they should be doing more. They should be contributing more to the world around us because they have so much and they have so much more than everyone else. What a selfish person. But but then I have to stop and I think, can I look at, at this verse and this story that we just talked about that Jesus shared and I think, in what ways am I like that? In what ways am I storing up what I have? In what ways am I guarding my possessions that I can't take with me when I die? In what way am I creating a kingdom in my life? Am I building up this fortress um, and, and that isn't valuable? that isn't, doesn't translate into eternity, and I'm not being generous in the ways that I need to be, in the ways that those verses we looked at before tell us to be. We need to be generous in every element of our life. We need to be able to give every resource we have, finances, time, whatever it is. We need to be a light to the community around us, to people who don't even know us, who don't know Jesus yet. And one of the best examples of that can be generosity and showing just a, an audacious, generous attitude that goes beyond logic. But so often I'm just like, you know what, it's better for me to just keep that money. I'm tired and I don't have the time to go and take care of that issue, that person that needs help right now, that community, that people group, whatever it is. I forget that I actually am in the top 1% of earners in the world and that to a lot of people in the world, I am that Scrooge character. Maybe not in like the attitude, maybe not in the way they see me and in my, the way I, I really outwardly go and communicate. But to a lot of people in that perspective of, of have and have not, there are a lot of people in our community even, in your community, in our city, in our province, in our country, who would see you and would see me as that Scrooge character. And this is not here to shame anybody. This is a perspective bringer. Because we have those habits. So how do we break that? How do we do something different? How do we show audacious generosity? How do, how do we be generous like Jesus? A good example is this. In Philippians 2 verse 3, Paul's talking about Jesus 
and the example that he set for us in humility and in giving and in generosity. He says this, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So what does that mean for us? If Jesus was humble enough to give us the gift of salvation, to give us a gift of connection with, with God, and that's what Christmas is about. He didn't need to come. He could have been a king and he didn't need to come in the way he did. He could have been living in a palace, but he didn't even have somewhere to, to rest his head. He was born in a manger when he was born in Bethlehem in the Christmas story. He was born in like, and a manger isn't nice. It's like in a barn. Like he had like a very poor birth, had a very humble upbringing. He died a criminal's death on the cross. He didn't deserve that, but he chose it. He was generous. He knew that that lifestyle that he would live, that the sacrifice he would make on the cross was the ultimate gift, the ultimate act of generosity. It was everything that he knew we needed, even though it would cost him everything. And that's the attitude that he asks us to take. And I'm not saying you should go sell your house right now. I'm not saying you should go sell your car and bike to work because it's minus 30 out probably right now. And that's not a safe decision. But what I am telling you this is that the fact is everything you own, everything you possess, whether it's your wallet, whether it's your, your schedule, whatever it is, it's not for you to lock up. It's God's to give. It's a, it's an exercise in faith. When we say, God, I will give my time to serve at my church or in my community or at a homeless shelter, or I will give this money to this organization, or I'll give this money to this person that is, that is hurting that I know, or I'll buy groceries for this family in my community. And I'll let them know that Jesus loves them. I'll do it unconditionally. I'll do it without notice. So what do we need to do? to change our perspective? What are some things that we can do to change our hearts and to live with audacious generosity? Unlike Scrooge did in the beginning of the movie, unlike this rich, foolish ruler that we see in this parable, what are a couple of things that we can do this holiday season to change the way that we live and to be more generous? Here are four steps that you can take to be more generous and to give more of your heart and the love of God to your community this season. First one is this, give financially until it hurts. This is one that's tough for me as well. And it's really tough in this season because it seems like everything financially hurts because of COVID-19. You may not be working right now. This isn't about a number. I'm not gonna give you a, a numerical number of what you need to give, but it should feel like you're giving. <laughs> It should feel like, like there's a sacrifice. And I'm not saying just maybe you're giving to your church. Maybe it's giving to Eaglemont. Maybe it's giving to a worthwhile organization um, that helps with the poor or something like that. There's no, there's no lack of great organizations out there that help with, with people in at-risk situations, um, people who need it. There's a lot of need out there and I know you can find it. So I'm not going to pitch that to you. But find a way to give until you feel it. Because that's an act of sacrifice. That's the ultimate humility. Don't be foolish. Don't take, don't, don't add another $20,000 to your credit card and go further into debt to give because that's not wise either. But give as much as you can and make sure that you feel it. It should be something like maybe I have to give up a couple of fancy coffees, a few less eggnog lattes over Christmas break because that's what I put the money towards instead of, Chris, instead of my Christmas drinks. Number two is give time you don't feel like you actually have. 
Sacrifice the time, not necessarily with your family or your kids, although I think it's great to do some of these things together if possible. It's just a good example to your kids. But take time that you would normally spend sitting on the couch watching Netflix and find somewhere where you can go. Maybe it's shoveling the, your neighbor who's elderly's driveway. Maybe it's bringing groceries to the old lady that is scared to go to the grocery store right now because COVID-19 is everywhere and she has health problems. It's whatever you can do to spend time serving, finding opportunities to be light in a dark place or just to bring hope to a situation in your community, in your family, in your friend group, whatever it is, Find time that you feel like you would rather not give and give it with all your heart. And I know at the other side of that, you're going to come out closer to God. Three is this. Part of your vision at your church, and I know this and I love it, is to be for Beaumont. Find creative ways that you can be for Beaumont over the next couple of weeks. I know we're all sad that Christmas is the way it is this year, but we can choose to let that fester in our own hearts, or we can decide that we're going to go and be for our community and we're gonna bring hope and light to the community around us and, and bring hope and light into a very dark Christmas season um, for a lot of people. So I don't know what that is for you, but think of something creative, just ways that you can share the love of God with your community, ways that you can bring a smile to Beaumont to at least just one person in your, in your town. And then maybe you live in Edmonton as well, please do that there as well. But find a way that you can just do something creative to be for Beaumont this Christmas, where they will remember, 2020 wasn't my favorite Christmas, but I remember that one time that that one family, that one person came and did some audacious, random, caring act in the name of God and changed my day, brought a smile to my face, even just for a minute. That's a way that you can be for Beaumont. That's a way that you can bring generosity into your heart this Christmas season as well. Number four is this, don't make it into a spectacle. You don't want to go out and get all the attention for it because that just becomes about you. That's not humility, that's not generosity. You're getting attention back, you're getting glory for that. The key in humility and in true generosity is that you don't have to get the glory for it. I'm not saying hide it to the point where someone asks you if you did it, like sure, say yes, I did. But the heart of this and the purpose of it is not to get the glory and to look good for myself. It's to gain love in my community. It's to bring the glory of God into, into our situation, into dark places. And it's to see Jesus' name lifted up. That's really what it is. And to have people think like, oh, the people from the church did that. Maybe, maybe they know it's from the church. Maybe they never find out who did it. But at the end of the day, if anyone gets the, the attention and gets the glory for it, it needs to be Jesus. It needs to be God because that's why we do this. That's the value in, in Christmas. That's why we care. That's why we put our heart into things that are difficult and maybe stretch us beyond what we're comfortable with. Jesus needs to have the light shined on him for our actions. And it's so tempting to want to get the attention, to be like, look how generous I am. Look how humble I am. But that's ironic in a sense because we can't do that. We can't seek attention and truly be humble. And we need to make sure that our hearts are in the right place when we go and we do these types of things. But that's four ways that you can do that for sure. Eagle Mount, listen, I know you well. I know this church. I know your church that when the times get tough, you put more weight on your back and you carry it and you shine light into your community. I know that you're a church that, that is not scared of a little bit of work or a lot of work. I know you're a, a church that cares about Beaumont deeply and just wants them to know the love of Jesus. And so that's why I'm not worried about you being able to take these things. Some of these things are just practical steps. And what I'm calling for here is maybe for some people, this is a, a, a categorical change for you. You need to about face and change and, and repent and talk to God and say, man, I've been super selfish. I've been more like Scrooge than I want to admit. But I think from, and that's fine, that's great. But I think that for 
most people, it's just, we need to check ourselves. We think we're pretty generous, but maybe we're trying to get the attention. That's where our heart and, and why we're really doing it. Maybe we just give money because we have that actually, but we won't give our time. Or we pour our time into things, but money is a spot that I'm not willing to give because that's something that I'm insecure about. Worship to God is about giving it all, being generous in all areas. So for you today, what is something that you need to change in your behavior. Maybe it's the four things that I was going through, or maybe it's something else. What is something in your day-to-day behavior that you need to give to God and correct, to be honest? Something that you need to begin some new patterns, new patterns that make you seem more like the example of Jesus than the example of Scrooge. What are some ways that you can be more audaciously and just feverishly generous in your community? What are ways that you can shine the light of Jesus in Beaumont, wherever you live, in the greater Edmonton area? I know you can do it. I know that this church is doing it already in most cases. But we can always be better. We can always do more to shine light on Jesus in a positive way. So this Christmas, let's find ways to do that. Let's find ways to go out of our way to be light and to be Jesus to people who probably need it more than ever. Eaglemont Church, I love you so much. I can't wait to see you again sometime, hopefully soon in person. And I'm excited to continue to hear the good news that's coming out of this church in this community and the difference, and the difference that you're making in this town. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this church. I thank you for Eaglemont, the blessing it's been on my life. And I pray, God, that you would continue to grow this church. You would continue to develop strong, generous men and women and children and teenagers, whatever it is, God, that that shine your light into Beaumont and the surrounding area, that, God, you would continue to develop this church to reach lost people, to bring hope to hopeless situations. And I know those are sound like cliches, but, God, in in the most honest and, and real way, God, let this church bring hope to places where there isn't any. So, God, we pray that you would give each individual person that is hearing this and in this church, something to work on, something to be more like you, Jesus, that every day we would wake up, read our Bible and say, man, how can I be more like you, Jesus, today? What can I do that you would have done in this community? So God, continue, I pray, for safety and, and, and health over this church, over this holiday season. I pray that even though we are stressed and we don't know what we're doing exactly, and we know we can't be with our family like we would like to, that everyone would feel your hope this holiday season, and that we would come out of this stronger as a family, stronger in relationship with you, Jesus, and better people and more impactful for our community than we would have been without this Christmas season. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.